Welcome to the STRU Podcast, your number one online hosting community, helping you achieve your goals through short-term rental investing. Now, here's your host, Richard Furtick. Hello, team. This is Richard, founder of Short-Term Rental University and Airbnb Superhost. This is podcast 004 coming to you live from the remote office in St. Bart's, in the French West Indies. On this podcast, this is my very first time trying this alone. I'm trying to film it for the people that are on YouTube. Thank you so much, really appreciate it. Also trying to lay down tracks and GarageBand and monitor peaks, and Charles was kind enough to film a little like how-to video because I need all the help I can get, so thank you, Charles. Um, So I'm trying to video and record audio and do it all on my own and sort of this is going to be a test for a format where when I'm on the road, I can actually contribute some more thoughts and ideas. And so in this solo format, what I want to try and do is come up with three different segments that I think are going to be interesting and timely. And so for today's segments, um, and be to be sure to listen to all of them, I want to talk about how hard actually doing a real estate deal can be, how many twists and turns and challenges and ups and downs and the deal is broken and the deal is stalled and the deal terms change and how you should expect that so that when you're in that position as you start to scale, um, you're not deterred and you don't walk away from a really great opportunity that you just sort of realize that's part of the process. So I want to encourage you to do all that. Uh, The second one is I want to talk about acquainting yourself with sort of like your goal and your dream. So making sure that your why and your goal um, are aligned and then that you have enough knowledge about what your goal is that you're fairly confident it's gonna help you achieve your why and then also that it's realistic enough and you can touch it and experience it so that you can like sanity check and gain familiarity with it. And then finally I wanna talk about like rebuilding. I'm here in St. Bart's, you can see my shirt. Uh, They just had a terrible devastating uh, earthquake, Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Irma on uh, September, September 6th of 2017. I'm down here not uh, seven weeks later, eight weeks, nine weeks later, and um, the island is under major construction, and they're rebuilding it, and it's a really opportune time for us to talk about sort of what you should uh, think about when you're rebuilding and you face real adversity. And so those are the three segments on today's podcast. And without further ado, let's just get right into it. So the first thing is I actually closed two deals uh, while I was down here in St. Bart's. I was down on some cliff and my phone rang and I was jumping in a swimming hole and, um, you know, I got out of the water. I saw a missed call. I called back. It was my attorney in Jackson Hole. And, um, we had to go over the last couple minute details before he went in and via power of attorney closed on a deal. This was a particularly complex deal. It involved a self-directed uh, checkbook IRA. So I was using money from my IRA, my retirement account. I basically sold stocks at all-time highs. Um, I was making a market call. I'd had major appreciation in some really tech-heavy, concentrated portfolios that I was managing for myself. And I just felt that, um, you know, taking 3x returns, 4x returns, 5x returns was healthy. You can never go wrong taking a profit. And then I needed to reinvest it. And I decided to reinvest these profits in a very real asset, real estate. 
and I wanted to do so in rental real estate. And there's all sorts of laws prohibiting what you can do in your real estate retirement account. That'll be for a different podcast. We'll get an expert to talk about that for everybody who's interested in our membership courses. Um, so just don't go ahead and do it because you heard about it on this podcast. Make sure you seek legal advice. You have um, somebody who you know knows exactly what they're doing, giving you that legal advice, your accountant and so on. There's all sorts of rules. So please just don't do it because you heard about it here. Although if it sparks an interest and you have significant um, savings in your retirement account and that allows you to do the deal, then do it. And that's basically why I did it, right? I was like tapped out of liquidity temporarily until I moved some other uh, real estate assets and do some 1031 exchanges. And I found a really great opportunity, actually two really great opportunities, um, but I didn't have any liquidity. And so in the absence of like of liquidity. I got creative. I researched. I spoke to a lot of people. I learned about self-directed IRAs and um, decided that that was a good way to do it versus passing. And that's sort of the way I would do it. I wouldn't recommend it as a the best way to do a deal, but when it's binary, no deal, deal, it was a great way to do it because I got the deal done. Um, and we could talk about that again, as I said, later in the membership courses, and we'll have experts on self-directed IRAs and experts on 1031s come in and talk about it. They know far more than I do about it. Um, but I just want to let you know that, you know, I'm here in St. Bart's, got out of the pool, missed a call, called my lawyer back, and uh, he had to go over a few more things. I had left him with the power of attorney so that the deal could close while I was gone. And, you know, this deal was just very, very complex, lots of moving parts. Uh, there was seller financing. There was a non-recourse loan, which was the first loan from a, a local bank. Uh, it has to be non-recourse for that IRA. And there was a, a lease back to the developer who was going to show these units um, as like proof of concept of his development. And he was going to rent it out because I can't actively be involved. And so we had to check the lease term and the first loan and the second loan, the seller financing. And one thing that I didn't anticipate was uh, in order to get an account opened up, I banked with a new bank um, and they were kind enough to open the account, but they had restrictions on the amount of money that could be wired. And so all of these things that are like unexpected and just couldn't believe it and the closing was getting delayed and the terms were changing and so on and so forth can be really, really frustrating and could lead to like, you know, potential problems or you being dissatisfied with the deal, but you just have to expect the unexpected and don't give up and just keep chugging through it. And you also have to have somebody on the other end. So in this case, I was buying. My seller was equally motivated and equally committed to the deal, but this deal could have broke no less than like 10 or 15 times, including on the day before the closing and the day of the closing. And because the seller and I and you know, we're both Wharton graduates, so we speak the same sort of language when it comes to finance and real estate, and he's an extremely successful entrepreneur. We were both equally motivated, and we were fortunate insofar as we were speaking to one another directly. We had uh, cut the brokers out because the deal was just too complex. Um, but, you know, through all that challenge and having like-minded goals, like he wanted to see the deal close, I wanted to see the deal close, I think I'm going to do extremely well um, in, in buying these properties at... at um, you know, pre-construction prices, they're extending a construction loan, they're going to develop them, then they're going to like rent them out. Uh, the prices are already increasing in phase two, and then there'll be a phase three. And so getting in on pre-construction um, pricing, I think is going to be extremely lucrative. And just to cross all my, you know, fears off the list, I basically uh, got a five-year lease term with five-year financing. 
And because I don't know where the world's going to be five years from now, I don't want to be in the middle of a recession or a crisis when, when the lease ends. Uh, I have a two-year option extension on the lease, on the seller financing, and on the first loan. And that's just sort of like my belt and suspender approach. I hope not to need it, but I don't want to need it when I can't get it. And I always recommend getting financing, getting lines of credit, expecting the unexpected, taking care of it in advance. So God forbid uh, I need it, I have two years. And would I like a 20-year extension? Sure. But that's uneconomic. Nobody's really going to do that. So you just have to be realistic with the wants and the requests. And then generally speaking, I find that I actually get them. So the point that I'm trying to make is this is just a deal that I'm working on right now while I'm here on vacation at Thanksgiving. There's all sorts of unexpected twists and turns and snafus and that new bank that I opened up couldn't send the wire because I it was too new an account and I needed to physically be in person but I was in transit I was actually in San Juan waiting for my connection to St. Bart's and so obviously I couldn't be in the bank location and so I had to contact my lawyer and the lawyer contacted the other lawyer and blah 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 and like in many cases that's enough of a deal breaker that delay or or somebody thinks that you're you know not being truthful or you're stalling Um, And so it's really important to be transparent and honest and direct and communicate and express what's going on. And and in this particular case, we came up with a novel solution, which was uh, that was only part of the funding proceeds. So that part of the funding proceeds, the seller financed until the second closing, which is when the bank is actually closing on the first loan. And so this is what I'm saying. This deal is incredibly complex. We have multiple closings, multiple sources of financing. We got creative through it. The seller was prepared to loan that amount that I couldn't get wired. I sent the amount that I could get wired. We have another closing set up in December. Construction can begin now. Um, And we hope to be up and running in this unbelievable, really cool configuration for Airbnb or short-term rentals. It's a four-bedroom uh, lodge right on the golf course. I actually bought two of them. I like the deal so much. I didn't do it once. I did it twice. Um, and it's a four bedroom right on a golf course in the number one golf course in Wyoming called the Snake River Sporting Club. Um, there's fly fishing. It's just gorgeous. And, um, you know, we hope to be up and running by the summer. And what's really cool about uh, this construction in particular is that it's a four bedroom, but it has three different configurations. So you can rent out as a one bedroom, a two-bedroom, or the whole house is a four-bedroom. And I have two of them, uh, not exactly next to each other, but very close. And one of the side effects of the self-directed IRA is that I can't actually use it myself, so I will never be stepping foot or renting it from them or doing anything else, uh, but I can use other ones on the location. And, and that's sort of the point about being educated and seeking counsel. Just want to make sure that you're playing within the rules. Once you know the rules, it's easy to play by them. But I'm super excited about it. I just want to thank the developer and the Snake River Sporting Club for you know sticking with me and pursuing it and persevering and all the twists and turns and blah. I mean, it was just messy and complex. And all the lawyers involved were just like, man, you Wharton guys sure know how to put together a crazy deal. And you know what? Being creative and being solutions-minded and so on gets the deal done. And I'm really happy to say that I closed it on that cliff down in St. Bart's, and that was amazing. Um, The second thing I want to talk about, uh, turning to the second 
portion of this podcast is sort of what I'm going to call acquainting yourself with your goal and like visualizing it and touching it and gaining exposure to it. And what I mean by that is, you know, I think that goals uh, need to align to your why. So for instance, in my why, it has a lot to do with my three daughters and being a good father and being a role model and having finances to be able to, you know, put them through school and all of these other things, aspirations of mine that, that I want to make sure that they have and also rich with travel and culture and um, sports and activities. And, you know, I just want, I, I want to make sure that uh, I'm in a position to handle what's important to me. So that's my why. And so then my goals along the way towards that why involve um, being fulfilled in a career uh, that will generate income sufficient to achieve that why. And I have turned a lot of my attention in the last couple of years, decades really, uh, to real estate. But in particular, you know, before I was a hedge fund manager and I continue to run a business, a successful business called Brilliant Transportation. I have a software company called Lifesaver. And so like these things I now have uh, largely fully automated. And where I spend a lot of my time and energy, in addition to the YouTube channel and the Short-Term Rental University and now launching these membership sites, is in my own portfolio, managing my own money, both in stocks, more recently in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. I now own Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and uh, Litecoin. And, you know, this is sort of one of those really early stage opportunities. I don't know which one is going to be right, so I spread the risk across all of them. If you're wondering, I'm more, most overweight significantly Bitcoin because I think it's a store of value in the first leader. But historically, first leaders uh, give that up. So I have bets placed around the periphery that each have a specific purpose and a different uh, use case. And so I think that that's kind of interesting. And in the background, I've always maintained an active portfolio of Airbnb properties. I have five and a half homes. I own a home in a joint ventureship. And so that's been something that I've always done to maintain uh, my balance sheet. And what I mean by that is the savings that the banks take in the form of principal every single month. That's like forced savings. If there's appreciation of the real estate, which over time generally there is, that's a bonus on top of it. And so basically I have this portfolio of uh, Airbnb properties, which has generated a significant amount of wealth over time and also income. And um, that's something that I want to spend more and more time on. I'm in the process. I just mentioned in the first segment, I just closed two deals in Jackson Hole. I have a third deal in Jackson Hole that's supposed to close uh, in December, and I'm excited about that. And I have a fourth deal that I'm working on in Jackson Hole that is uh, likely going to close in, in Q1 of 2018. And I have a fifth deal that I have yet to you know explore in depth, but I'm certainly very interested, very intrigued. And when I get to Jackson Hole this winter, I'm going to check that out. And then separate and apart from that, I think some of you know I'm working on a development project, my first real development project. I have two partners. We filmed an episode on the YouTube channel about like what, what we envision and what our goals are going into it. And so we laid down that video, which is going to be cool to look back on in like 15, 20 years. But um, I'm developing this property. I think we're going to have 14 villas. It's going to be all about like wellness and health and mindfulness and yoga and eating well and being outdoors and exercising, whether it's like surfing or kite surfing in Bali. 
Uh, and it's just going to be super exciting. We're expecting uh, preliminary drawings any day now. We just got preliminary approval on our permit, which we were told was impossible to achieve. So we're doing all sorts of really cool, creative things. Again, solutions-based, and I think it's going to work out just well, you know, spectacularly. And it's really, really rewarding and fulfilling for me. And it's a creative outlet, and I love sharing sort of like my vision with others. And I think going through this process is going to be really rewarding for me personally and developing growth. Um, and then I get to share it with everyone, which will be super cool, and I can't wait for that. But my point is, that's sort of my, like, why. These are the goals that I'm putting in place to get to that why. And it's important to familiarize yourself with those goals to make sure they're achievable and attainable and you're comfortable and you like them. And so what I mean by that is, you know, don't set such a lofty goal, which is like, I want to, unless you're Elon Musk, like, I want to travel to Mars, uh, because it's unlikely you're going to achieve that. And you can't ever really go to Mars to like check it out and make sure that that's a lofty goal. I mean, a, a goal that you really like. It might be too lofty. Um, and so likewise, I f speak to a lot of people. We did so at the meetups about what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish. And they want this whole portfolio and so they could live this lifestyle and have this like home and so on and so forth. And yet, you know, they've never really done that. They're maybe out of college and they don't have a lot of money and they've never lived in a home like that and so on. And so what I would encourage people to do is to find a way to like touch it, experience it, save as much money as you need to, rent a house for one night or two nights or take a vacation, splurge, explore, check it out, get close to it, and then do so, you know, semi periodically make sure that that still remains your goal and that you still like it and every time you touch it it's more credible it's more tangible it's more believable you've experienced it you know you can do it you've gone from just like it being in your mind to something that like you've you've touched and you've experienced and you know you can do it and you know you want it and you get familiar with it and it's kind of like hosting on Airbnb it's really hard for people who've never stayed in a five star hotel to understand firsthand what that hospitality feels like, looks like, um, what that luxury is. Uh, we all have our you know, vision of it and our fantasy of it, but if you've never spent 200 or 400 or $1,000 to go stay in one of these five-star hotels that do it so perfectly every single night for decades, um, it's really hard to know if you're doing it really well or take good ideas from them and say, I like this, but I don't like that. And so I encourage everybody to try and familiarize yourself. I, I know, you know, money can be tight and we don't necessarily have the budget for it, but I'm viewing it as a business expense um, in terms of like it's research and development, it's education, uh, there's a purpose to it. You're going to enjoy this yourself tremendously, so like, let's not ignore that. That's a fringe perk. But you have to know what it is that you're trying to build and accomplish and achieve, and the more that you do it, and the more that you spend time with it, and the more that you splurge for it, believe it or not, the more realistic it becomes, the more likely it becomes, and like soon enough, it actually happens. And so I'll give you a little example. Uh, I'm here in St. Bart's. Uh, we're with some friends, and they have young children, and we went to a beach. And the beach was, you know, I wouldn't call it rough, but there were certainly some nice waves and a ton of fun for myself and my three daughters, and a lot of other people were enjoying the surf. But um, 
these friends didn't really have that much exposure with this beach or waves of this size. And so like their first immediate reaction was like, whoa, this is really scary. And in fact, maybe this is like dangerous. And so like in their own mind, what they saw were these huge tidal waves, this tsunami, and it was like filled with danger, danger, danger. It was flashing, like stay away and be cautious and so on. And for me and my three daughters, who've had a lot of exposure to waves and beaches of different sizes on different continents and different, you know, we looked at it and we're like, wow, this is really safe and a lot of fun. And so the reason we were able to do it is not because we're more, you know, uh, skilled or talented or we know our way around oceans so much better or anything like that. It's just we've had a lot more exposure, right? Like we were fearful at one point and then the second time we were exposed to it, we were less fearful and the third time even less and the fourth even less. And now we've sort of embraced it as part of like our capability, we're capable, we're able to overcome, we're able to enjoy it. And so that's exactly what we did. And so using that really simple analogy, just think of your life and your goals. If your goals are to run a small empire of Airbnbs or a mini boutique hotel or something like that, and you've never actually like stayed in an Airbnb that fits that profile, or you've never actually stayed in a boutique hotel that fits that profile, it's time that you do it. And I don't care how much it costs or how long it takes you to save it, but you must do it. And you must do it, you know, not once, but maybe once a year or once every six months or once a quarter, just so you know, like, what you're pulling towards, what you like about it, what you don't like about it. You start to get some ideas. And the more you actually live it, even though you can't necessarily afford that lifestyle, and I'm not suggesting that you're you know, wasteful or that you're irresponsible. I'm talking about saving and being diligent and within your means and so on. But I'm also suggesting that getting like physically close to your goal and touching it and tasting it and smelling it and living it and sleeping in it will make it much more achievable because like, you know, you can do it. And so that, I think, is really important. It's sort of like in psychology, I think they call it like exposure training. Um, if you want somebody to get comfortable with something, you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. You realize that all of your fears are just in your mind. It's not really as scary. And then before you know it, you're comfortable in that area, that zone of discomfort. And then before you know it, you can actually embrace it. And soon you're just downright comfortable in that zone. And that's how these like huge wave surfers can go out there and surf these like monumental buildings where us mere mortals wouldn't ever step foot in that water. And the reason is because they didn't start on those huge, you know, 40, 50 foot waves. They started, you know, with waves at their ankles when they were six or eight or ten and then they went out and the foot the waves were a foot tall and then two foot tall and then three foot tall and you sort of gradually acclimate and you become comfortable in things that you wouldn't otherwise have been comfortable but you have to get started and touch it and experience it and the worst thing that happens is you get wet maybe you get injured maybe you hurt yourself maybe you take a step back you recharge you refresh and then you try it again and it's the same thing with our business goals you have to go try it. Maybe you spent, you know, you saved up $300. You went, you stayed at this Airbnb and you were really disappointed and like, that sucks. Instead of saying, you know, I'll never do that again. That was a waste of $300. Think about the lessons that you learned, what you can apply, how you're not going to stay at an Airbnb like that again, where you are going to stay. Maybe you then change to a boutique hotel, something that you may have to travel to to get the experience that you want. But keep charging towards it and trying because I think ultimately you'll be rewarded. And that exposure is very similar to what we just talked about with the waves, right? You start 
small and you gradually build up and keep going and keep going and keep going. And if your goal is to be a successful big wave surfer, that's how you do it. If your goal is to build a real estate empire of five-star Airbnbs or boutique hotels or be a multifamily real estate baron, you have to get started somewhere. And that's one of the reasons that I love Airbnb as a get started place because you can literally start with just the sofa in your living room or the spare bedroom and just build it from there gradually and slowly but build it from there so get started get your feet wet the third and final segment of this podcast here i want to talk about um, rebuilding i think you can see here and i've said it on a couple of different episodes and shows i'm here in saint bart's hurricane irma i stand with saint bart's what does this say warriors. I'm one of the St. Bart's warriors. Not really. I didn't really do anything other than say it's important for me to support my friends in the community when they need me. I've come here during times of my need. I needed to recharge. I needed to refresh. I needed to rebuild. I needed to have some good times. I needed to have some good food, some sun, and they've done that all for me. So when St. Bart's needs a little bit of help, this guy is going to come help spend my hard-earned tax dollars here vote with my feet, actions speak louder than words, and so here I am. And the people have been so incredibly um, receptive and grateful and appreciative. And, you know, I keep hearing, I get fist pumps and I get high fives and thank yous and you could have gone somewhere else and instead you came here. Uh, You could have canceled like everyone else and instead you came here. And that's, you know, really, really helpful and impactful for me. And I think it's also really cool for my kids to hear that, right? Like my kids are down here. The island isn't as beautiful as it once was. Um, We see huge piles of like, uh, you know, landfill of all the just destruction. It's all piled up away. Uh, We see barren palm trees, just like hundreds of palm trees where it's just like a stalk. It looks like toothpicks, but that's okay, right? Like we're not in it just for the beauty. We're in it for the experience and the sand and the salt water and the sun and the people and the smiles and the food. And so, you know, we're not a fair weather friend. We're not going to be here only when we need them. We're going to be here when they need us as well. And, um, The point of all this is like the attitude that we had when we faced adversity, we had Hurricane Sandy. I've had tons of uh, projects go late and over budget and, and I've had projects stall and I've had liens and lawsuits and all of these things are challenges in, in real estate and in life. And you just have to view it as like the opportunity to like rebuild and move forward and stay focused and don't get stalled and certainly don't get stopped out and don't get discouraged. And I mean, it's so easy to do and so many people do do it. But if you study anybody who's successful in any industry, on any you know, country, in any planet, it doesn't matter. These people have this thing called perseverance and endurance and self-reliance. And I think the main thing that it helps one accomplish that, I know it helps for me, is just being optimistic and grateful and viewing all this adversity as an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to grow. And I literally ask myself, like in the middle of just whatever, you know, I mean, I got fired. I'm going through a divorce at every turn. Just sit there and say, okay, well, this sucks. I wouldn't wish this on anybody, but there's a lesson to be learned here. And I'm going to learn that lesson. I don't know what the lesson is, but I know there's a lesson. And more than that, I know that after being fired, I'm going to do something 
that's better and more meaningful and has longer legs and where I'm in control of my destiny. And that resulted in me being an entrepreneur, um, becoming an entrepreneur. I think I was always an entrepreneur at heart. My father was an entrepreneur, but that gave me the ability, the freedom. Somebody cut the chain uh, of my really successful job in finance. I, I ran a $4 billion portfolio of hedge funds for institutional banks and insurance companies and so on. And you get kind of addicted to like the regularity of the paycheck and these really nice fat bonuses. And so like I wouldn't have had the wherewithal to walk away from that and say, I want to be an entrepreneur. I think my calling in life is to be an entrepreneur. I want to be self-employed. It's really, really challenging. And so I view it as like a favor. Somebody fired me in the financial crisis as they were downsizing and allowed me to find myself and be true to myself. And that's an important mindset because I know other people that got fired who stayed unemployed for four years and felt that they were the victim and they were worth a certain amount of money and they wouldn't take a job that was beneath them, beneath them, could you imagine? Um, they wouldn't take a certain job that was beneath them or a lower pay scale. And so they stalled and they wasted four years of their life, you know, just like being sorry and feeling pity for themselves and feeling like the victim. And I didn't do that at all, right? I went out immediately and started rebuilding and I didn't know what I was going to do and I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I had the right mindset, which was there's an opportunity here. I'm going to rebuild myself. I don't know what that looks like. I put together a process and a framework. I actually wrote about it on Forbes, um, the framework that I used to figure out what I was going to do next. And that allowed me to become an entrepreneur. And similarly now through, you know, my life change going through a divorce, instead of feeling sorry for myself and saying, gee, what did I do wrong or what could I have learned or what could I have prevented? I mean, I'm obviously being introspective about it too, but I'm also viewing it very similarly to uh, getting fired, which is like, well, I have an opportunity to have a second journey. My first journey was a very successful uh, relationship for 25 years. Uh, we were married, I think, 22 of those 25 years. We have three amazing kids. We have a portfolio of real estate. I have all the things in the world that I would want from the very first marriage, and it was quite successful. But then it ended. And so when it ended, uh, obviously it was extremely challenging, and I spent a lot of time thinking about my self-identity and who was I and so on. But I viewed it again from a place of optimism and opportunity, and I took charge of it and said, I'm going to rebuild like the second journey life that I want and on my terms, and here's what's important to me, and here's how I'm going to do it. And believe it or not, I started this YouTube channel right when this was happening. My very first uh, YouTube video went live in November, and my wife and I separated, my ex-wife and I separated in um, September of that year. So like right at the lowest point um, in my personal life, like a phoenix, I built something and I started and Charles and I just persevered and we tried something new and we took a risk and we didn't know what would come of it and we had no idea. And what I would say is it's been so fulfilling personally. It's been so helpful for me to get on with my journey and I really appreciate all of your time and help and comments and feedback and likes. You know, it's just so encouraging and rewarding and here I am during a time of like personal um, need and you guys are supporting me and providing for me and that's just so helpful for me to give back to you and try and give you as much as I possibly can to encourage you to fulfill your like dreams and and goals and go out and accomplish and so I just really want to suggest that you know when you guys have difficult times in your life whether it's personal professional in your side gig in your real estate empire with your kids or whatever 
view it as an opportunity to learn and then view it as an opportunity to rebuild and to not make the same mistakes and to do like the best of the first plus add all these amazing concepts to the second. And if you do that and you do it consistently over time, um, you just win. It, it just it, it wins. And very few people do that. It's challenging. You have to reach deep. But I can do it. You can do it. We can all do it. We're all self-reliant. We're all entrepreneurs. We're all optimistic. The best is yet to come. And I just really wanted to share that with you all here from St. Bart's, which is just fabulous and beautiful and magnificent. Yeah, also have to take time to like recharge so that you can be appreciative and grateful. Take time for yourself. Get your head straight. Go somewhere meaningful. Spend time with loved ones. It's so important. What we do is so challenging and can be a grind and often we can feel alone. I filmed a video on that. So I'm here to help in any which way you can. If you've liked this podcast, please Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with anyone you like. I'd love to hear your comments. And um, in the meantime, I'm just really, really eternally uh, optimistic and very grateful for your time, your interest, your ears, your eyes. I really appreciate it. And I wish you nothing but the best. And I just want to say thank you very much from the Short-Term Rental University podcast, uh, where we use Airbnb and short-term rentals to help you achieve your goal and encourage and inspire and all these other amazing things. Have a great day, everyone. I'm out of here. Time to go enjoy my friends and family. Recharge, rebuild, do it better, more, better, more. I stand with St. Bart's. So that does it for another episode of the STRU Podcast. As always, all links mentioned are in the show notes below. And if you found this show helpful, please leave a review on iTunes. If you're serious about short-term rental investing, be sure to check out str.university. Till next time.